This podcast is sponsored by Gravity Fit. We all want to swing it like a tour pro, right? So we're working on our golf swings. We're trying to improve our contact and directional control. And I'll say one of the biggest things, caveat there, is while reducing pain and discomfort caused by poor movement in the golf swing. And around here, we like things like science-based, tour-proven, simple-to-use. Gravity Fit checks those boxes. If you haven't tried it out, it's feedback training equipment that can help you with your golf swing, your posture, spine, and joint health. I actually have it in my office and use it daily just to help me bring awareness to my posture and avoid back and neck pain while sitting working for long periods of time. I know that that might seem strange here, but it's been super helpful. And then I take it to the range and help train my setup and movement patterns while doing some practice there. Can't recommend this enough. Like I said, it's in my office. I use it on a regular basis. Learn more at gravityfit.com slash golf. Use the coupon code GSL. Gravity Fit, stronger, longer, sweeter. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking with leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. There are certain structures, routines, and habits that are keys to developing high levels of skill and performance at any task. And maybe you have picked some of these out during our series when we've been sitting down with tour pros. We've heard all kinds of different environments and practice structures that have helped tour pros succeed. Uh, By the way, we have another episode with Scott Stallings coming out next week in that How to Be a Tour Pro series. Don't miss that. But today, we're going to look at that at a more global or national scale. We're sitting down with two coaches in the Golf Australia system to learn about how they're coaching junior golfers and the results and stories they've seen coming through this Golf Australia program. The two most high-profile players, I suppose, that have come through this program and, and very much through this process, whether it be with myself or whether it be with um, Richie Smith, who coaches at WA, and through the Golf Australia program in general, will be Cam Smith, and the men's side of the game, Minji Lee, who you know she's up to world, she's up to world number, number two in the world, Rolex rankings now, and she is just a great example of someone who took all of this on board, really owned it, and, and decided to apply it. Worked incredibly hard with these kind of structures, and and her results have just been phenomenal. In this episode, we are going to dive into all the details of that structure and the concepts that have gotten results. We have two guests today with it, which have two really unique and different roles in this development process. Our first guest, we have heard from him before, is Nick Randall. My name is Nick Randall. I am a strength and conditioning coach. I'm the owner of Golf Fit Pro, and I've been lucky enough to be involved with um, golf and the physical side of golf from uh, for the last seven or eight years. Working with anyone from your average club golfer to to juniors as, as young as 10 and 11, through to um, through to tour players and, and Cameron Smith, who I've worked with for for that entire duration, about seven or eight years. Our second guest fills the other end of that spectrum as the golf instructor. And I'm Richard. I'm originally from New Zealand, moved over to the Gold Coast back in 2012. I'm now director of instruction here at KDB Sport Golf Academy whereby uh, we are focused on developing athletes anywhere from five years old all the way out to tour players. We currently have 
approximately 130 players inside of our junior academy into into then the mini tours and, and professional tours around the world. Alongside that, I'm also involved with the the Golf Australia National Program as well. So, one of the high performance coaches that that coaches at state level with our uh, Queensland state teams and state junior squads and, and developing uh, players through the state system into into their national events. All right. Let's talk about structure and get a bit of understanding of how Golf Australia works, starting out with how they get on the team. How did Junior go about getting on this national team? The way our state system works is essentially we have tournaments that are running throughout the year. And from those tournaments, the state level tournaments or the national tournaments, players will then be selected into a state squad, which would typically consist of around about 40 athletes. And uh, that's generally between the age groups of uh, 14, 14, 15 to 17 years old, eligible for the, the junior state team. And uh, I guess inside of those squad, we then go into squad trainings on on monthly basis, whereby the state coaches, myself and, and three other coaches, essentially run sessions and and from there encompassing then ongoing tournaments that squad then basically gets reduced down until a state team is is announced and and then uh, all of the states around australia come together to to have an in-state series which is the the largest or i guess the pinnacle of of state level golf here in australia so the goals for the kids is essentially to make that make that team but um Inside of the process, obviously, a lot of them, the younger ones, are going to be inside of that system for for some years. So it's our it's our objective as coaches to to help develop those skills along with their home coaches and and provide a I guess a platform for them to uh, to keep continuing development. One of the things that happens along this way is that golfers train and compete as a team. They create these teams, uh, whether it's by state or region or whatever it might be, and that atmosphere, that environment has some real advantages putting the players into teams or into squads or groups is i think is a, an underutilized skill with with coaching in the sense whereby very rarely do we are we able to get the players competing outside of normal competition and in, in tournaments so being able to observe the players from their body language from their self-talk how they deal with adversity, what decisions they go through, decision-making processes they go through when we set up skills challenges for them. And from my point of view, trying to make the trainings as uncomfortable as possible. So finding the player's currency, what makes the, what puts them under pressure. So for some players, it might be playing for $5. For some, it might be physical. For others, it might be singing in front of the group. But we got to find that currency for the player and, and make them feel a little uncomfortable so we can actually see how they deal with, with the situations that would closely simulate that of tournament golf. So the more we can get them training in that environment, we see then the transition then out into the, the tournament, the tournament realm of, of being a lot more they can deal with those pressures. They can deal with that environment uh, with a lot more, I guess, I wouldn't say ease, but but definitely uh, be comfortable in, in being uncomfortable. 
So each state has their own program. Most of the states now operate under under the one golf system, Cordy, which is uh, which is the national program, and it has several tiers to it. So we have tier one through to tier four. Tier one being the rookie program, which is consists of uh, players typically out on tour, the likes of Minji, Cameron, etc., who are already out there there as professionals. And then we have the tier two, three, and four, which is the um, at the state level, whereby the the squads are, I guess, then progressively from tier two, uh, a limited number of players get all of the service providers train uh, with a high frequency down to the tier four, which was the earlier program I spoke about with the, the junior squads. So, um, and then all have a, a sliding scale of, of funding with inside of the, the national program. Yeah, it's basically all government funded and each state has uh, a set of coaches, strength coach, physio, and then they'll have their own selection criteria, but it's fairly mirrored in each state. Um, and we're constantly working towards trying to trying to improve improve the service provision in each state. We don't have a huge amount of money, so often you know these coaches are, are very good coaches in their own right and have successful businesses, and they they're often taking a bit of a pay cut to to come and do state work based work. But it's incredibly rewarding to be part of a system that focuses on athlete development. All right, so we have these different squads created now. Let's talk about the kind of coaching and the work that is going on on a day-to-day basis now. Coaching is so diverse, right? So when the player is with us in a one-on-one environment down at the academy, that's a great opportunity to work on, on movement patterns and technical skills. But when it comes time to taking teams or players away to tournaments, Essentially, we're, we're managing all of the, the controllable factors. So basically how they travel, how they prepare for the day, how they prepare for the week. I guess the emotional management of, of the, the ups and downs that come with tournament golf and trying to get the team to all work collectively together to produce the best results. So from a, um, a coaching perspective, when, when on the road with players, it's more of the human skill development rather than, I guess, the, the golf skill development, even though, you know, we, we provide the, those services when the players obviously ask us, whether it be post-round or post-tournament to provide feedback. But uh, so, yeah, so the, the human skill development of, of the players is huge for us when, when in a tournament week. When it comes to a training environment, when we have the – the biggest squads, whether it be 40 athletes at a time or in, when the squad's reduced to 10, 12 athletes, that's, they're, more still, they're more competitive sessions. So when the players are all together, we use that time to get the players competing against each other from a skill skills point of view. I think that's probably one of the things that's underutilized in, in golf coaching is actually when we have more than one player with us at one time, it's a great opportunity to actually provide a bit of that competitive atmosphere and and, uh, and build some resiliency within the athletes. An important thing to, to note there, and Richard touched on this, is that when you go away for tournaments, it's and this builds into the whole ethos of Golf Australia, the KPIs for Australia for Golf Australia are top 100 players in the world in the pro ranks. And really, it's about trying to develop the athletes and the golfers in our squads to that level. And 
they're not going to get into the top 100 age 16, 17, playing in amateur tournaments. And so it's not necessarily a results-focused program. It's much more about development. For example, when we go away, we sometimes get kickback from some of the athletes because we're really trying to promote that they do what we consider as best practice with regards to warm-ups, cool-downs, preparation, nutrition. And that might actually be quite a long way from what the athlete actually perceives as best for their current level of performance. Mm. And so it's always a really interesting scenario when you get what's best practice as far as Golf Australia and Golf Queensland consider it, and then what the athlete needs for a short-term performance. Um, and so managing that is is a real skill, I think. And it's something that that we try and work hard to, to make sure we get that balance right. And getting the players to reflect on that post-tournament is a big part of that. So part of their reporting process back and my reporting process back after getting the players to actually take ownership of those of those elements that Nick just pointed out definitely uh, is a big part of, of what's necessary for their for their development and that, that self-awareness and building that uh, I guess that accountability on their on their behalf that you know don't just throw technique under the bus when you play poorly you know what other factors actually might have come into it whether it be how you slept or how you pre- prepared the day before or what food you ate on the golf course, whatever it may be. So trying to take, trying to take in all of the, I guess, the, yeah, those holistic factors mm. outside of just technique or just golf swing. Mm. And we have, we have a quite a small player base here in Australia. We don't have, we don't have millions of kids to draw upon. And so we, we feel as though we need to try and do the best job possible of developing these athletes considering we don't have that many of them we can't just churn and burn and put them in a competitive environment and just pick out the ones that that do the best let's say that you wanted to train like a golf australia junior right a day in the life uh, or a week in the life of that person what would it take what would your day look like let's get to it we run sessions whereby essentially let's say for example it's a squad session they'll maybe do two hours training with myself whereby we can be working on their golf skills in any capacity. Then they're going to be going and working in the in the gym with the S&C coach, whether it be Nick or, or Ashley, one of our S&C trainers here. And they're going to be working on mobility, flexibility, strength, depending on what phase they're in during the year and what tournaments they have coming up. So they've got programs relative to what events they, they have on and then testing every eight to 10 weeks as well, just to to monitor where they're at and uh, and to reevaluate programs from there on in. From the age group of five years up in, in the junior academy, they're going to be spending at least 50% of their time on, on movement and coordination skills. Examples of throwing balls, catching, moving in different directions, jumping, plyometric-based activity, bringing their movement skills up. So basically their, their body IQ is accelerated and uh, and then from there then their ability to to take on the information regarding the golf skills is actually from a coaching point of view is is much 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 more attainable just by having uh, having those movement skills locked in Some of the biggest things that stand out to me here is this look at holistic development, right? It's something that's so important and we've talked so much about, but golf skills, athletic skills, physical skills, mental skills, and it's not just a look at golf swing technique. Getting good at golf does not just mean 
working on your golf swing on the driving range at this point you know through all of our conversations what i hope that is abundantly clear and that there needs to be a holistic approach towards improvement as an athlete and as a person and i want to quickly look uh you know diving in here at some of the tools and the tech that is being used along this journey because there are a lot of different uh, you know things available at this point what are the things that nick and richard are using you know with their people on a regular basis we're a big big fan of of testing so we definitely use trackman with with every testing procedure and then from a day-to-day point of view in terms of the squads with every player they use a gravity fit t pro so we give them one of those at the start of every term for every player and that's one of our non-negotiables they turn up with uh if they're at the squad session early, they go. They've got a program they run with Gravity Fit with the T Pro warm up. So that's one of the cool things about about the culture of our program is the the kids now just turn up straight away, put their T Pro on, get into their great posture, work on their movement skills. So by the time we actually get the warm up underway, they're already very self aware of uh, of what they need to do. Outside of that, we use Balance Lab, Science in Motion, GASP, KVS3D, and you know a bunch of other training aids from time to time. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, TrackMan and um, and Gravity Fit would be two of my, my the best tools that we use, as well as the, and then obviously as the players develop the 3D analysis. Nick, I think last time I asked you, you had a, a couple things. I feel like I've asked you this yeah. question before. Yeah, so my favorite equipment that I will use outside of outside of a gym environment, which is, you know, the normal barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, resistance bands, etc. I like players to travel with pieces of equipment. So I like them to travel with a, a foam roller, a, a rumble roller is my favorite, a spiky ball. Those are both for self-massage and self-release, being able to manage the quality of your, your soft tissue on the road. I got both of those after our last interview. They're sitting in my office. <laughs> Hopefully you're getting some good use out of them. That they are. <laughs> Obviously, I, I'm, I think everybody knows that I'm a big fan of um, Gravity Fit. Um, I've been involved with the company for a number of years. Huge fan of what they do. We've actually got a new exciting product coming out soon, which is the Active G, the Active G suit, which is a, a wearable technology that incorporates all of the Gravity Fit stuff into into something you can wear. But we'll save that for another day. And then the the, the other big thing is um, I use a an accelerometer uh, called um, a push band by made by train with push, which is basically uh, a way of objectively measuring how fast someone's moving in various different movements, which is, which has been absolutely invaluable. Change the way I program, change the way I run sessions. Cam, for example, has his own. So I only see Cam once every six weeks. I travel over to the States to spend a week with him. And so in those five weeks when I'm at home and he's in the U S doing his training he wears his push band he tracks but that tracks his movement in the gym and it gives me um gives me a a readout of how fast he's moving how much load he's moving what his power output is for his gym sessions so i can i can keep on his case and making sure he's lifting the right loads at the right speeds so the other thing i have my office is is the gravity fit stuff 
so I throw it on. I work in my office sitting in a chair or on one of those exercise balls. And then I throw the gravity fit on. For some reason, it feels like super good just being in, in correct posture. Like, why does it feel so good? That's hopefully doesn't sound salesy or anything like that. I apologize <laughs> in advance to people. But like, I am actually curious. So like, why does that feel good? And why is that helpful for, for me to like throw it on after a couple hours of working? It's an interesting question. It, I think um, it's difficult to know exactly why you're feeling feeling good but i think that we i see i hear similar sentiments from other people and i feel it for myself as well i think it's because it's our natural it's our natural position it's the position that we are designed to be in with a an upright spine and with those neutral curves especially that kind of neutral thoracic and and cervical curve in our upper spine and our neck and then the shoulders set back against that kind of neutral spine position that's what we're designed to be in we're not designed to be hunched over a computer and so getting back into a posture that we're naturally designed to be in i think is that is responsible for feeling good and then you can look at some of the other things that come with a, a forward and hunched posture where we've got compression of the vital organs we squish our gut up against the our, our stomach and our and our lungs and it inhibits how how well you can breathe and the quality of your breath which has implications for energy levels and all sorts of other health factors. So basically, sitting upright is what we're supposed to do. Um, being hunched over a computer isn't, and gravity fit, I think, just helps to promote the former over the latter. All right, let's jump over to some of the training that we're gonna talk about with Nick. Here's a, a very high level kind of bullet list. Postural control, stability and mobility in the right areas are absolutely non-negotiables i think without those three things then you're at risk of injury in this kind of strange one-sided twisty turny crunchy sport that we play okay so we have that list now let's look at the important actions what are some of the issues that you know juniors are running into at this high level and what can we do about it first thing you need to look at with a young golfer who's coming in, especially if they're, if they're a good player and they've practiced quite a lot, is that their, their body is probably already showing signs of adapting to their golf swing. And, it, and that golf swing is normally not all that efficient, or they've found the way to hit it furthest they possibly can by hitting high loopy draws. And that often re- results in a, a, if they're a right-handed golfer, they're a tight right size, their obliques and their lats are really tight. You'll see the right shoulder presenting a lot lower than the, than the left. Um, you might see a slightly hitched up right hip as well, and they'll have all sorts of compensations. Um, so the first thing is is getting their posture back to a position that's relatively neutral, and that takes them out of the danger zone for injury. That's absolute number one priority is uh, can you stand up straight and can you set up to the ball in an athletic way. From there, I look at trying to give them as much exposure to different movements in the gym as possible, and all of those movements will have a requirement to be done under with really good postural control. So we'll do all, all sorts of different variations of squats and lunges, push movements, pull movements, bracing, rotation. And I'll try and give them as much exposure as I can to those different variations of movements in the first couple of years. Then once they've got a really good mastery of those different movements, which basically lay the foundation for, for strength and conditioning, we start to load them. So we start to load them with with resistance bands. And we start to use their body weight in different ways that, that adds more load. And that gradually starts to develop some strength on top of 
the the good posture and movement control they've got. And then once they're mastering that, and, and then we're talking two, three, even four years at this point, you know, if I've seen an athlete first at the age of 12, they're getting up to sort of 16 now, 15, 16. Then we can look at introducing, you know, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, heavier load, working on explosive power and really trying to develop their their physical attributes to the point where we can increase club head speed, but without compromising control and control of posture. But the theme that runs right through that is, is injury prevention. So, you know, we need to keep them healthy. We're not trying to develop a top level golfer at the expense of their physical health in the long term. We know that Obviously, it's, it's a sort, only a tiny percentage of players that will actually make it. And so we've got responsibility to build or help develop a robust individual and a robust human that will be healthy and can enjoy the game for, for the rest of their life. It's not, we're, not trying to, um, we're not trying to break these kids in, in the interest of making them the best they can be at age 16. I think I should use Cam as, as the as the example, partly because I've been heavily involved in his development and his journey, and partly because he presents a really good example of a kid who first presented to me at the age of 15, and he was like he was like a coat hanger with skin draped over the top of it, like it was, and it was a twisted coat hanger as well. You know, they, he exhibited all those issues that I told you about: that tight right side, that forward and low right shoulder really chronically tight left upper trap and neck he basically had very little in the way of athletic development wasn't very stable had big range of motion issues because of that lack of stability and yeah and he was in pain and discomfort a lot of the time Uh, so we had to we had to do a fair bit of work just to get him back to a somewhat neutral position with regards to his posture a lot of it was kind of postural retraining and we used the we used the gravity fit system heavily for that at the start which was fantastic, just basically gave him the, the deep muscle stimulus and the postural awareness to be able to basically be able to realize what was a neutral posture and how he could achieve it and what it felt like. And then we used that, that gravity fit stuff throughout our gym sessions and incorporate it into his practice as well. So that was from the ages of, I would say, 15 through to 17. And Cam's development was relatively slow because he was pretty lazy when he was a kid. Like it was, it was hard to get him to do stuff. I had to spend a lot of one-on-one time, and we were lucky enough to be able to access some some extra funding to for me to be able to do that. And he needed a lot of motivation and kind of uh, someone standing over him at the start. He's better. <laughs> so it was a lot of yeah, postural correction, and mobility, range of motion, basic stability and control. And then from there, we progressed him through into, into loading him up with, um, with more traditional strength and conditioning movements. But that was all balanced on a schedule that was pretty intense. Like he was one of the best amateur players in the world and he was traveling all the time. And we saw this, we saw this pattern where he would be at home, he'd get regular attention, his, physical, his key physical attributes would, would improve. Then he'd travel slack off a little bit, be sitting on planes, playing a lot of golf, and you'd see this regression, and then you'd come home and get better and then go away and regress. And so that was our next challenge was, okay, how are we actually going to to teach Cam what he needs to be doing when he's on the road and get him to the point where he realizes how important it is? And so, again, I was lucky enough to access some funding where I could go out and, um, and spend time with him 
and try and enforce those those things. And like I mentioned before, there was a bit of kickback. There was a few arguments of, no, I don't want to do this. I'll feel sore tomorrow or I won't be able to play my best. And it was all about trying to educate him that this was the right thing for him in the long term in order to avoid prevention of injury primarily. Um, and he gradually came around to that. And by the time he turned pro when he was 19 and then into his early years of a professional, he was actually doing a pretty good job with his maintenance. And we saw instead of progression, regression, progression, regression, we saw progression, physical attributes when he was at home and then a maintenance of those attributes when he was away and then another progression. So we gradually saw him improve and get stronger, more powerful. And you saw that with his club head speed as well when he first came out on tour. He was 45th in driving distance and, and now he's um, around 70th, I believe, and, and still heading north. So it's been a, a long, slow journey with Cameron um, and it's been difficult at times for, for both him and for people working with him. But he's, he's gradually come to the realisation that physical preparation is, is, is just so critical. One of the biggest things that you think about in junior development is helping juniors make good progress and growth, but what creeps in along the way is often regression. They get really good at a, at a young age or at a particular age, and then as they get older, they just seem to, you know, other kids go right past them or they never have that same kind of skill that they had. And one of the reasons is that these physical things that Nick was just talking about are never addressed with or never dealt with. So their body just can't cope with the demands that they're, you know, is being placed on it. And Richard here is going to talk about why he sees this um, marriage of, of fitness and training with golf instruction is so crucial to help mitigate some of these issues over the juniors developing and growing. Off the back of what Nick was just mentioning, as opposed to, you know, we see we've seen I've seen this a lot over over the you know I guess the last ten years, whereby you see these players come to you with age of fifteen, sixteen, with the, these physical issues that that need to be, I guess, addressed with with the likes of Nick. That's where we've taken that that forefront and and putting the education in place with not only the the junior golfers but also the parents right from that five years old or where they with that introduced into the game so if we can create that ethos of we're trying to uh, develop the kids physically from that i guess that 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 good quality structural point of view in terms of postural awareness some strength and some stability some mobility in the right areas right from that young age we're getting a, a buy-in to whereby when the kids are then 15 16 we're not we're having less of these issues that that have come up over the last five or ten years so working alongside Nick or one of our other SNC coaches the ability to for the parents to now see the benefit of that is massive and from a coaching point of view it allows us to get right into really high quality work with the with the player and bang on as Nick said as opposed to seeing progression regression a lot of the time we're seeing that just to re-emphasize, we see the progression and getting them then to, even if they're just on their own, just maintaining what we've done, uh, as long as they're not taking a step backwards physically, we're always going to be able to push forward a whole lot quicker. So that's where I see the the relationship with Nick and our S&C coaches is to, is to accelerate that, that player's development by not regressing physically when we're not with them. So using, using tools along the lines of gravity fit is a, is a great way we put there one of those 
kits into every junior's bag simply because when we're not with them as a coach or, or a trainer, they have some self-awareness and some, I guess, some self-coaching tools that they can maintain their, their physical work with while we're not with them. So uh, that works incredibly well. So much good info here. So many good, unique takeaways that we can go out and apply, whether you're a golfer or coach or whoever you are, you know, into your training, into your performance. Thank you to Richard. Thank you to Nick for coming on and sharing all this great information with all of us. If you are not a Golf Science Lab insider, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash insider. We have updated the resource page in there. So now all of our free resources, we've got a bunch of checklists and templates and some free video training series. There's a really good one from Greg Carton on some mindfulness and like mental game questions. He works with a bunch of great tour pros. That training and all that stuff is you go sign up for the insider thing. You get all these free things right away. It's pretty sick. Golfsignsub.com slash insider. Go check it out. And uh, we'll hope to see you next week. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode. This was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker. It was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. 